Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Jay. I'm editor of EaglesBeat.com, a Palace fan site by fans for fans. We're all across social media, but in particular, we're mostly active on Twitter, and you can get us at the EaglesBeak. I'm also a football pundit on a local community radio or football radio show called Back in the Net, and you can get us on Twitter as well, at underscore back on it underscore. All right, and it's a very intimate episode of the EPL Roundtable, as it is just Jay and I. We're just going to kind of run through the gamut of topics, but first, let's hear about what's been happening at Palace lately. Yeah, so we won a game. <laughs> yeah, hooray. Um, and we're going to Wembley, which is fantastic. And I don't agree that the semi-finals of the FA Cup should be played at Wembley. I can I can understand why. Um, it takes a little bit away from, you know, if you do actually reach the final. But I'm not complaining. Um, we had a favourable draw finally uh, for the quarterfinals. When you say favourable in football, you, you've still got to play a game of football. Um, and, and nothing really is easy in football. No games are easy. It's the same old cliche, but I still maintain that's the case. And Reading... They got to the semi-finals last year, so they've you know they've they've got previous. They experienced a, a narrow loss to Arsenal, um, and they would clearly want to get back there and uh, and and try and you know do go, go on better. So they would see a game against Palace. We haven't won in the Premier League for I, I will lose count how long it is now. It's gone on for so long um, as a game that they that is winnable from their perspective. And they played a lot of reserved players in their previous game, which I think they travelled. Uh, Travelled on Tuesday to, to for an away game in in the championship, um, but it was a tough game um, as expected. I think we showed a bit more class going forward, and I think we, well, I, I don't think we 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 did uh, attack them uh, an awful lot with our front three of Balassi, Zaha, and Adaboyar. We're all linking up very well indeed, um, but we couldn't get that breakthrough. I think we had f- our Habsi in goal. Was absolutely fantastic. Saved almost everything we we put towards him, and they had a few clearances off the line. Um, and it was it wasn't the greatest pitch, to be fair. It was difficult to play football on as well. But um, our pacey players were, um, you know, doing the business every time. Every time we got the ball, um, getting a bit nervy towards the end because it's always a bit of a worry. You know, you're you're a Premier League side and. Um, it's a chance of. A, I mean, the FA Cup is you know it's, it's a magical competition, and everyone loves an underdog and. And most people that are watching TV, other than Palace fans, would have wanted Reading to, to, to beat us. But it didn't turn out that way. A, a controversial penalty, as it was. Um, very similar to what we were on the end of uh, the previous weekend against Liverpool. Um, it, it was it was a soft penalty, I have to say. And I, I'm not sure that it was actually a penalty. But, you know, it, it, it put us one nil up. Kabai took the penalty. And I have to say, Kabai was fantastic, actually, on Friday. In a game where we needed some players to kind of stand up and be counted. Um, Kabai was everywhere. He really was. Um, scored the penalty. I have to got his hand to it, but I think Kabai hit it so hard that um, you know any save would have probably put the keeper into the back of the net. Um, and we went on and won two 0 You know the defender who pulled back Blassie in the area uh, was sent off. Um, gave him you know down to ten men and, uh, and and we scored a second just to kill off a game in injury time from Fraser Campbell. So much maligned striker in in the Palace ranks. Fraser Campbell sends us through to Wembley, which is. Uh, which is actually fantastic. I mean, it's not been a great 2016 so far until this point. So we're all hoping for a bit of a shot in the arm with this one and uh, and get us through to Wembley and uh, we'll see what the draw is tomorrow. So we're 
very happy. It's been a it's been a tough couple of months so far this year. So hopefully, you know, we can kind of I've said it before. You know, our form in the FA Cup has been has been incredible. We've beaten Premier League sides all the way, um, as Kevin knows only too well. Um, <laughs> and we can't seem to put the same sort of form into the Premier League, and it's it's very odd because you know, like I mentioned, we're, we're beating Premier League teams in the FA Cup. Uh, we can't do the same in the league. So. Uh, to be honest, we're I think we're eight points away from Norwich. You know, we've sunk like an absolute stone. Um, but I think if we can get one more win between now and at the end of the season, I think it would just kind of secure things really from our perspective. There are you know plenty of fans looking behind us at the moment, and, and rightly so because it's been a it's been a shocking period. But um, it, it, you know we can enjoy Friday. Uh, we can enjoy uh, you know looking ahead to the FA Cup semi final now. Um, we deserve the win. Uh, we're the fir- we were the first team in the hat. Um, and as the uh, competition has, has kind of played out this weekend, it's, it's opening up at the moment. So it really is. You know, if Leicester can win the Premier League this season, then why not Palace win the FA Cup? First of all, I'm not sure it's going to be Leicester that wins the Premier League. <laughs> um, but uh, beyond that, um, we have talked in the past about the 20th Plenty movement. You've mentioned it many of times mm. uh, on this show comes out with an agreement, £30 for away tickets. Do you consider that a win? Partially. It, I think it's a step in the right direction. I just kind of feel that, you know, they had a vote not so long ago and they voted against it. Uh, and they've had a vote again. Um, and I think somebody's had a word, word in their ear and say, look, you know, you need to do something. I just kind of feel that the Premier League are not going to go with the general consensus. You know, this business, as you know, is a campaign to make it £20 a ticket for away fans just to make it cheaper. On top of travelling as well, you know, it's, it's an expensive pastime, it really is. Especially when everybody pays for season tickets at home games as well. It's, you know, it, it is a lot of money. And when you're paying 60, 75 quid or so to go to a away game on top of travel, that's, that's, a, that's, that's an awful lot of money, it really is. And, and when you go to an away game, you don't get to choose where you sit. You get lumped in the away end, which is either in a corner of the ground or up in the top top tier of a ground like Newcastle. You don't get to choose where you sit. You get allocated a seat. You can't choose. You know, you're going to sit in the main stand, or you want to sit behind the goal, or you want to sit the other. You know, you you, you just don't get that choice. Um, so I, I think the Premier League have said, well, we're not going to go down. The, you know, we're not going to let you know a campaign dictate us. We're going to choose our own amount. So I think that's where the thirty pounds gone. It, you know, it's kind of felt that way, um, as if to say they're making their own decision. It's their idea. It's their choice. But it is a step in the right direction. Um, I think the only the only thing about it is that it kind of um, questions some of the pricing around home ga- you know home tickets now as well. So I think that'd be the next thing to kind of address. So I think Arsenal are one of the most expensive you know season tickets in the Premier League at the moment. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a start. I would say I don't think it's uh, exactly what fans wanted, but it, it, it is a start, and it, and and, it, and it's a welcome change um, to what has been kind of one-way traffic for such a while we know the tickets have just gone up and up and 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 very rare to have any kind of um you know discounts and things like that so um it's good to see that something is finally happening and, and fair play to the campaign uh, and the football supporters federation have been fantastic driving the campaign for for a very long time with uh, with the help of fan groups and uh and, and and websites like myself. I mean, we, we've you know we we've tried to push it as much as we possibly can, and um, I think it says a lot about you know some of the um, lower tier clubs in the Premier League that it's uh, it's kind of you know been brought to the fore a little bit more. So um, so fair play to everybody involved. 
Right, yeah, we we talked about it on Thursday, but definitely wanted to get your take. As, as I mentioned, you were mm. one of the guys that was always bringing it up throughout that process. So <laughs> uh, glad to hear that things are progressing in, in a positive way uh, in, in that regard. Uh, I will briefly talk about Tottenham for a little bit, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> we, uh, after putting out a very weak side against Borussia Dortmund, uh, played the 11 that many expected to see then. Uh, we saw our full-strength 11 today against Aston Villa. Full strength sans Vertonghen, to be fair. Uh, but he is uh, using a ball in training for the first time today, which is good news. On his own, he hasn't rejoined the team yet. But I digress. Uh, today, 2-0 win uh, away to Villa. Obviously, most people counted this down as a win. I'm sure many did not even bother tuning into this one, especially as it wasn't televised in the UK. But pretty tidy all in all. We probably could have scored a few more eight shots on target, 19 total. Harry Kane probably could have had a hat trick uh, on a different day. Della Ali just, we didn't see him on Thursday. We see him again today. And and having two matches back-to-back where you don't have him and then you do really highlight, hi- highlights how much he means to this team. And, and that when we have Erickson and Lamela in there together, they tend to just want to create everything with their feet, which... Uh, is how football is played. I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, they, they always want to pass it around the park and try to open up the defense that way. But Della Ali and Musa Dembele, especially when they're playing together, can just carve up teams on their own. And, and we saw that again today. Della Ali just on his day. You just can't stop him, which is insane to say for a 19-year-old to have already found that level of performance in the Premier League and largely consistent. Uh, against a lot of teams, which is another surprising thing. Usually when you get young kids like this up, they'll have a few great games, they'll have a few poor games. Sometimes they're not that young. Sometimes they're called Wilfried Zaha. But the fact that he's been able to do it week in and week out is just incredibly impressive. And I had a, a fantasy friend message me and say, so everybody should have Ali over Ericsson, right? And the answer to that is yes. Then he followed it up with, would you take him in real life? I was like, that's an interesting question. Who is more impactful on the Tottenham side? And i got to be honest, it's Del Ali. Christian Eriksen is the kind of player that plays well when we are playing well. But he will not turn a struggling Tottenham team into succeeding during a match. He might score a free kick, but it's going to be him. Del Ali brings everyone's play up. And, and I think that that's a really astounding thing to say, once again, about a kid that's that young. Uh, not a huge amount of takeaways from this. Uh, Harry Kane does go level with Jamie Vardy on 19 goals, which is uh, kind of crazy. Romelu Lukaku only on 18, <laughs> only. Uh, but he does have two games in hand to catch up with them. But I think a lot of people thought that this uh, golden boot race was probably done and dusted. And uh, it may not be. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, Tottenham probably should have taken more of our chances, but we got a 2-0 win. It's exactly what we were aiming for when we put out such a weak side on Thursday. We knew we were going to play our best 11 today. We did. We won against a pretty poor Aston Villa side. Uh, apparently the Villa fans did have a bit of fun, uh, having the Spurs fans there because apparently everyone was singing, uh, Randy Lerner to Arsenal, (laughs) which I think is a, a nice little bit of fan interaction there. Uh, with both sides coming out <laughs> happier for it, despite the Villa fans leaving with the <laughs> loss. All right, that's me done talking about Tottenham. I mentioned uh, how people were probably watching. Quick, uh, sorry, yeah. Kev, I've got a quick question for you. Actually, I was so yeah. disappointed to see Tottenham in the week put out yeah. seven changes. I'm guessing Tottenham <laughs> fans were as well, especially those that went to the game. But yeah. it would have been it would have been a fantastic matchup. I was looking forward to the game, but. It just kind of killed it from the start, I thought. Um, you know, still watch the game, but 
played in Dortmund's hands, and I'm amazed that Pochettino decided to do that. I know Premier League title is is probably a little bit more, um, you know, a target, but surely uh, you know a squad such as Tottenham's can can cope on both fronts and you know give give Dortmund a you know run for their money. Surely, I'm uh, very disappointed with that as as a neutral as such, you know. Yeah, no, it could have been a great match, and we pretty much decided that it wouldn't be. Um, to be fair, uh, Dyer and Della Ali both didn't go. Dyer had a bit of a knock, and Della Ali was on yellows. Um, and I think that, that obviously impacted it. Uh, I, the, the surprise for me was that Musa Dembele doesn't start. Uh, if you have Mason and Dembele, that midfield is immediately much stronger than Mason and Carroll, neither of whom have played much. Uh, on their own this season, let alone together, the, the strength is lacking there. Mason has imp- has improved incredibly in his defensive acumen, but not nearly enough to make up for missing Dyer and Dembele. Uh, and then we played Nasser Chadley up front, who has a phenomenal strike on him, but has shown multiple times that he can't play as a forward. And I was saying this on, on the Thursday show. We tried Gareth Bale, who I will dare to say is a better player than Nasser Chadley, <laughs> up top for us a couple of games, and it didn't work. Sometimes that just doesn't work. Mm. Uh, and so we didn't have a forward. We didn't have a midfield with any strength in it. And then we just gave our defenders 90 minutes of trying to keep him out. Which, by the way, I thought Vimmer and Alderweireld actually had a terrific match, which mm. is something you wouldn't expect to say <laughs> after a 3-0 loss. But considering the pressure we were under that whole match, the, the clearances that they had were innumerable. Just with that many balls coming at you, they're they're inevitably going to go in. I thought mm. Hugo had a little bit of a weak match, mm. which was a little frightening. He's had a few of those in a row now, but hopefully he can turn it around. Yeah, as Spurs fans as a whole, I think everyone was angry. For me as a person, as Kevin, as a, as Kevin DeVries, I was not surprised. As soon as we got that draw, people were like, oh, we can overturn him in, in Germany. And I was just like, no. No, no, we can't. And so then then you're in this situation of if you play your full strength 11, the team that we played against Villa, if you play them on Thursday and you still come away with a 2-0 loss, now you're playing the backups. Backups, that's harsh because we do rotate a lot. But our, our B team against Villa potentially lose that one. And then if you're down 2-0, you're still close enough to play your starters again. So now they're tired from two matches. They aren't playing against Villa and Bournemouth. And then you start falling out of the title race, which you mentioned. I think it was a very I think it was a very gutsy call and only time will tell if it was the right one. Mm. Getting the win against Villa was huge. If we had lost to Villa still or even drawn them with this strategy, there would have been a lot of hell to pay. Uh but it does succeed. We do continue in the Premier League. Uh just two points back, I believe, with Leicester playing tomorrow against Newcastle, which you'd imagine is an easy win, but with them bringing in Rafa Benitez, <laughs> maybe not. But no, I'd, I'd agree. It was harsh on the neutral. It was very harsh on the Spurs fans that flew out there to see Tommy Carroll continue to dribble the ball straight into Dortmund's <laughs> players. Um, but also, people shouldn't be mistaken in thinking that Dortmund couldn't have done that if we had our best players out there. They oh, might not have. Yeah, but- you're right. They, they were incredible. And you're right about your central defenders. They had a great game, but it was just constant, wasn't it? It was pretty much... Yeah, yeah, the fact that it was three is a testament to how good they were. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, Dortmund were excellent, and like I said, there's no, there's no saying they couldn't have done that against your full strength side because they were just in in, in the mood, weren't they? And um, yeah. which we didn't think they would be. I, I think that was a lot of the frustration when the team was announced. Is they had just had Bayern at the weekend, 
Yeah. So we kind of, I think Potch assumed that they, both of us would be putting out weekend sides, and mm. then they did not. <laughs> <laughs> that was as close to a full-strength 11 as they have, considering the injuries they're dealing with. But uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, think, I think it's only the keeper they changed, wasn't it? I think Widenfella came in. Um, I yeah. Think that's, yeah but, and then, yeah, yeah they, they had Bender playing center back. That's right. <laughs> so how many things they're dealing with. But uh, I, I think they brought on Subatich as a sub. <laughs> sub a titch. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't need to do that at all. <laughs> but, um, he could have been American. That's a weird thing to say. Uh, he could have played for the U.S. national team. Um, but instead chose to play for Serbia, I believe it was. But anyway. He, I'm, he actually had a trial with Palace before we... Uh, hey, before we... you should have done that. Yeah, well, uh, you know, play a slip. He would have been a great hair, a part of your hairy contingent. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think. I think. Yeah, I don't know how it came about, but I, I remember him having a trial at Palace at some stage. Um, I'm not sure what part of his career it was, but yeah, it's one that slipped through now, I guess. But it, it happens, doesn't it? Yeah. Speaking of centre backs, um, I, I just randomly recalled the other day somebody uh saying when Everton signed Funes Mori. That they don't know what Paul Mitchell is doing at our club. Why isn't he finding jewels like that? And uh, we got Kevin Vimmer, who has plugged in for Jan Vertonghen with very little difference. Uh, impressive, yeah, impressive. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know why that randomly popped into mind, but as we were talking about center backs, mm. just like people were, were wondering where all these low key signings were. And mm. Trippier is so good that he plays every other match, regardless of what competition it's in. Vimmer plugged in for Jan Vertonghen, who I think many people thought was our best defender at the time. It wasn't true. Toby, since minute one this season, has been our best defender, um, which I'm not sure many were expecting. But uh, yeah, Vimmer stepped in and done phenomenally. Uh, Clinton and G has been a little iffy, and then he got hurt. Um, but we were told on this very podcast, because we had Andrew Gibney on, who uh, you spoke with a lot during the Women's World Cup, I believe. Yeah. 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 And uh, he came on, is. He he would hate it, but I'll say a French football expert. Um, and he was telling us that Clinton G is a very raw player, that this is not the finished product. This is a player that you buy and you grow, and three years from now you'll be like, wow, that was a really good bit of business. Uh, and then he played a few matches, and then everybody jumped on him for being raw and unfinished. They're like, oh, he's, he's not quality yet. And you're like, we know. That, that was what we knew coming in. Anyway. What I'm saying is our deals last summer weren't nearly as bad as many people said they were. Exactly. Is Fimmer a uh, Belgian? Is he? Uh, he's Austrian. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, he and gets to play where... with David Alaba. Uh, <laughs> where, where did you buy him from? Uh, we bought him from FC Cologne. Mm, Cologne. Uh, uh, I'm going to say Cologne because that's how you'd say it in um, American speaking about the French part. Um, yeah. But yeah, K umlaut O L M. I, I like seeing some of these, uh, you know, kind of uh, transfers that kind of go in under the radar. You know, they're not. The media seem to be interested in in the big deals. You know, the thirty odd million that you know. Yeah, nobody was making up Vimmer to Tottenham. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It's, it's still not quite as good as Scott Dan, but uh, uh, you know, he's he's getting there. Yeah, yeah. Your your Januarys <laughs> are always rude. I guess you didn't really make that many this January, though, did you? Only had a boil, but I think mm. that was needs needs must really for yeah. us. And um, it, I feel like that was kind of like when we uh, brought in Davis behind Rose and Trippier behind Walker. You're mm. fine with them overtaking them for that job, or it'll encourage the current incumbents to actually show up, like Wickham has done recently. 
Well, I, I think that's key, and I it, there, there's a lot that's been said about his attitude on the training ground and how that's kind of rubbed off on other people. You know, his experience. I mean, his experience. He didn't have a great game against Reading on Friday, to be fair. Although the last ten minutes, I mean, when well, the last ten minutes, he kind of holding the ball up, bringing other people into play. But once we got the penalty and, and scored that penalty, he was. It, you know, he was that influential player who was slowing the game down and holding the ball and laying it off and, you know, just really showed what, um, you know, some players kind of lack, you know, sometimes Balassie and Zaha kind of, you know, in the latter stages of a game where we're winning, will still, still do what they do, you know, run with the ball and try and attack defenders where you kind of think sometimes just, you know, take, take the pressure off and, you know, slow things down. And Adeboyle, I don't know if you saw the second goal, but his sublime touch, um, to put Campbell through on goal, just you know, put him through for a, sh- a free shot of goal. Basically, you know, it's an absolutely brilliant touch. I mean, they'd already had a centre back sent off, but his touch for that was absolutely brilliant. But you know, the, the, the things I'm hearing from the training ground, you know, I mean, Wilf has said, come out and said very similar that when he first joined the club, his, um, you, you know, him, it, it, you know, just him on the training ground and and what he can do with a ball as well. You know, he's he's been around a bit as you know, Kev and. You know, he's he's played at some big clubs, and hopefully, some of that good stuff will will well. It seems to have been rubbing off on some players, and and Wickham. I mean, unfortunately, he's been injured um, the last couple of games, which is a, you know, just as he's hit a real good vein of uh, goal scoring form. You know, four goals in two games. Um, everyone was talking about Marcus Rashford, but Connor Wickham still only twenty two, and he scored four goals in two games, just the same. Um, and he was looking excellent. I mean, the second goal against Sunderland was. Bursts yeah. the back of the net, absolutely, you know, great strike. But um, hopefully, we will see more from him. You know, when he comes back from injury, it's just that injury thing is a, is a bit of an issue. But um, yeah, Adeboyle, like you mentioned, could could bring some of these players, you know, on and and kind of give them a kick up the backside. You know, maybe that's what they needed, even if it is just you know a signing, a free signing, as it is until the end of the season. If he gives us that little bit of impetus going forward, then then great. Yeah, another bit of Palace transfer news. I saw something cropping up about Liverpool being interested in signing Kabaya. I assume that if you stay up, there's no way he'd go. And I can't believe it. No, Liverpool and West right. Ham are both are both interested, apparently. But yeah, it, it's hard to know this time of the year, isn't it? I mean, it, it's getting to the stage where the transfer rumours, you know, will do the rounds. Yeah, they're already and, starting to come up. We're know. already signing Berahino again. For the third uh, street window, <laughs> uh, I, just, I just find it so tiresome. I mean, I can't believe for a second that clubs are actually thinking about what they're going to do for next season already. When you know, certainly there's clubs that are mid-table and not going to do it. But there's, was there ten, nine games to go now? You know, a lot of teams have something to play for, and you know, the, the, the finishing positions in in the Premier League are, you know, there's a lot of money in between, you know, different positions now. Um, so every team should have something to play for at least. And um, well, certainly for the for the financial men at the clubs, they'll be wanting that to happen. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's, I think a lot depends on how good a summer Kabay has uh, for France in the European cha- Championships. He's mm-hmm. he's struggled this you know since the turn of the year. He really has, like a lot of our players have. He's been carrying knocks, and he, he's missed a game here, a game there. Uh, he was excellent against Reading. No offense to Reading, but. You know he should be running a game like that. He should be running some other games that we see him play against. And there's been so many comparisons between him and Payet, and I find it incredible because Payet is a completely different position. He plays in, he's a flair player, and Kabai has his flair, but he's a he's a defensive midfielder. That's that's where he plays his game. Um, he's not a kind of Payet player. Um, it, it, Kabai works for us. It, it, it really does. It'd be a shame to see him go. It wouldn't surprise me if he went, but I think that'd be a 
uh, a backward step for us if he did go. I really would. Yeah, and it it is interesting having players of that class like him and Adebayor, who on his day is obviously still as good as just about anyone. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think that's lending a lot of help to you guys. And it's weird that now that you have those types of players when you're struggling. Like mm-hmm. the last two years, for the majority of the season, we pretty much knew that you were going to be fine. Mm. It's just weird that, you know, sliding backwards a little bit. But, you know, a, a large part of that randomly uh, because of how well Bournemouth are doing. That are kind of like closing that gap because I yeah. still wouldn't think that you're in any risk of going down. But you know, Bournemouth at the beginning of the season. <laughs> well, first of all, at the beginning of the season, I said Bournemouth were going down in twentieth, which mm-hmm. was a double bold call and also <laughs> super wrong. Uh, and then I doubled down on it when they lost Gridell and Elphick to injury, and now they're both back. Yeah. And I think I saw the thirteen points clear. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, yeah. It's and, absolutely and, incredible what they've done. Yeah. And I think it's been an incredible season all round, really, when you look at how competitive the Premier League has been. Bournemouth have come up. Watford have... I think Bournemouth have kind of eclipsed a little bit of what Watford have done. I think Watford have um, achieved... You know, they, they've been in and around the top 10 for, for a fair bit of the season, to be honest. And, and we think- accuse them of uh, QPRing it, bringing in too many players from different countries, no Premier League experience. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of people tend to, you know... Cr- Credit Bournemouth for what they've done, but I think a lot, a lot of credit's got to been given to Watford because they didn't have the best preparation. You know, the manager that got them up into the Premier League was, you know, he went, he left the club, um, so effectively starting again and perhaps not the best preparation for a season. But you know, beating to- uh, Arsenal today, I mean, it's great to see uh, Gadiora, a former player of ours. Didn't quite get the game time at Palace, which perhaps he deserved or, or should have had. But great, what a goal! <laughs> Really, really was for yeah, the goal. top right corner. Um, he's always had he's always had that in his locker. He's uh, I can't remember what game it was last season. Um, he, he hit an effort from distance and it apps you know cracked against the crossbar and I thought it hit it so hard it's going to break it. <laughs> you could hear the noise from the other end of the pitch. It was, uh, yeah, it's one of those. But um, yeah, uh, fantastic for him. Fantastic for Watford to to go to Arsenal, knock them out of the cup, and um, end end their chances of winning the cup for a third time. Yeah, and uh, I was just thinking about this as we talked about Palace and Bournemouth. Two of the only three English managers left in the Premier League, alongside with Sam Allardyce now that McLaren's gone. Mm. Is is there anything, is that a problem? Like, as an English fan, are you surprised to hear that? And is it bad for the Premier League? Oh, it, that's, it's tough. I think it is bad for the Premier League because you, you, you do want English managers to succeed. You know, because you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 going to end up helping the, the national team, isn't it? But when you're having, uh, it just seems to be, you know, the big clubs tend to look abroad um, first. It's, it just seems to be the case. Oh, well, we get a big name from Spain or Italy, um, and that's you know, it's going to be the same scenario again for Chelsea when they uh, bring in somebody in in, in the summer. Um, but yeah, I, I I think we had this chat before the pod started, and. Uh, you know, when you look into the lower leagues as well, I mean, there's there's no real managers that are making waves. I mean, you, you've got some managers like Steve Bruce. I mean, he, you know, he does he does a relatively decent job, and he hasn't had a crack at one of the big jobs um, as such. Maybe he's kind of doing his time. Um, again, there's still a few foreign managers in in the lower league. Um, yeah, one one manager I think will be 
um, or, or is continuing to, to show great form is uh, Sean Dyche at Burnley. Um, Burnley, I mean, they were great last season. Um, a lot of credit goes to Sean Dyche last season in the Premier League, the way he um, you know, showed himself. Um, you know, not, not particularly critical, but it was always going to be a tough, tough ask for Burnley last year and, and they're top of the championship and looking favourites to come back up. So I think that's one English manager that... Uh, that, that is potentially somebody that could you know, manage a, a, you know, one of the top four or five clubs. Um, but it, yeah, it is a concern because at the end, of, end of the day, it will affect uh, the England team. I mean, you know, who who is there now to succeed Roy Hodgson because he's not getting any younger? Um, it's difficult to name somebody, an English manager that will that will succeed him. I, you know, uh, unless you go with somebody of the caliber of Steve Bruce because. He's been in management for, for for years. He kind of done his time, like I mentioned. Um, but there, there is a real, um, yeah, a, a real lack of those kind of managers. I mean, there's some younger managers in the leagues. I think uh, Carl Robinson at MK Dons, MK Dons first season up in Championship this season. They're struggling, which is understandable because uh, it's their first season in that division. Very tough division, as we all know, to get in and out of from both ends. I mean, um, to get out of from you know from from that division to the Premier League, and also to get into it from the League One. It's you know it really is a tough tough old division. Once you're in it, it, it is a real uh, it, it is a real fight to stay in it. Um, but yeah, it, it, we were talking earlier as well. You've got the Middlesbrough manager who's you know, experiencing problems at Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah. um, which you know is incredible because they're in the top three, aren't they? They were top at one stage, and then um, it seems that Carranca, uh, who was uh, Mourinho's mate at Real Madrid, um, is, is about to be sacked from from there for for whatever reason that might be. Um, seems to be some sort of player revolt. So it's not just in the Premier League these things happen. It does, you know, the pressure kind of does go down to the Championship. But sorry, we're straying from the point a little bit. There, there is a concern that there is a lack of English managers coming through. Um, and I think there's just a feeling that the big clubs always tend to look abroad before um, looking here. I mean, Pardew was touted when we were having our great run towards the end of last year uh, as as being one that could possibly take over the England job. Um, Gary Neville was another one. I always thought he was being groomed for that role while he was assistant to Roy Hodgson. Um, and now, now look at his experience at Valencia. Um, you know, that was a surprise move in itself. But, um, you know, to be cutting his teeth in, in a management role in such a high-profile league, you, you know, kind of expects managers to start a little bit lower down, but he, he's gone straight in and uh, at, at the top end, and 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 he is struggling. But um, I, I do believe like players and managers learn learn more from their mistakes, so maybe it will turn out better in the long run. I don't know, but um, yeah, it, it it is it is tough. I can't think of it. I don't think there's any English managers out abroad at the moment either. Not that I can um, think of. So it, it it is a real problem. Yeah, it just seems uh, very strange. And when you pair that with, you know, the ever-decreasing amount of England players starting in the Premier League, it Mm. just seems like, you know, England is, of course, one of the biggest countries for football in the world. But it just seems like that dominance is starting to slip. And we discuss it every time we talk about the coefficient and and how it does look now like England's going to hold on to the fourth spot for next year. But after that, you're losing another year where United were in the final, which obviously gets you a lot of points. So that's going to be really close next year. I was looking at the numbers earlier this week again. And honestly, I feel pretty confident in saying that in two years, so not this year, not next, but the following, England will only have three Champions League spots. 
Mm. It would take an English team winning. Well, you probably need two teams over that period to win the competition. Yeah. Either the Champions League or the Europa League. And that's it doesn't feel like that's likely. I mean, you do have Manchester City who are on a pretty decent run in the Champions League. You'd expect them to beat Kiev. But, you know, Barcelona are basically out. Chelsea, for a period of that... By the way, that... That PSG Chelsea match was everything it was hyped to be. Mm. I know the Tottenham Dortmund match was a dud, but that Chelsea PSG match was phenomenally exciting. It just did you did you see um, did you see PSG today? Uh, I did not. I heard it was nine nil and that they already oh. won the league. What? What? Yeah, I was watching the game. It was three 0 at half time. <laughs> oh, and then they scored six in the second half. They did indeed. Yeah, should have had should have had double figures easily. Um, yeah, Ibrahimovic was uh, just absolutely superb. Four goals. Every one of his goals was excellent. I was just he doesn't score tap ins. That guy. Yeah, for his age as well. Um, you know, I think the fourth goal he scored was he, he picked the ball up in his own half. I mean, they just they 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 look something. You know, they 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 got past Chelsea. Um, they'll be a they'll be a tough uh, you know a tough opponent for anybody in that competition. They really will be. Yeah, and uh, Zlatan apparently has said that he's leaving PSG this summer. Two-part question. Would you like to see Ibrahimovic in the Premier League? And the second part of the question, even if it's at Arsenal. I, I, I've i got this thing about... I, I was gutted when Gareth Bale left the Premier League. Um, obviously not a Tottenham fan. I like to see the best players playing, playing in the Premier League. And I, I do like to see the best players coming over here whether it is in the twilight of their career or or not, I I think it'd be fantastic to see Ibrahimovic over here. Um, Arsenal will probably suit him down to the ground. Well, I think there's a team in South London that might have a space for him. Yeah, Ibrahimovic to Palace. <laughs> that's that's what we've decided. Um, <laughs> you know what? I would sign on for that. You know, Ibrahimovic and Adebayor up front for Palace. You have oh. Kabai in there. Maybe make maybe make like a loan offer to John Terry. Uh, well, Parge's already Parge's already sounded that one out about John Terry. Oh, has he? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It's one player that he'd be looking at signing in the summer. Um, allegedly, when Terry came out and first said that he was he was leaving at uh, the end of the year. Um, yeah. So uh, Terry Ibrahimovic. Who else can we bring in? Anybody else that's... Uh... Uh, any of the guys that are over in Brazil? Or not Brazil, uh, sorry, in uh, China. They, they're just all Brazilian. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe bring Paulinho back. Give him a shot. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, all, all yeah. welcome. <laughs> yeah, Asamoah Gian, who yeah. was incredible at one World Cup, moved to Sunderland yeah. on a big deal. Didn't he move that January? Like, he was there for like four months and then moved to like the Saudi League. Oh, well, it was at Sunderland, wasn't he? Yeah, but like so briefly. Yeah. But it was like a 10 yeah. or 12, pound, 12 million pound move. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah and then he was, was like, bye. <laughs> that was so strange. Very. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, actually we talked a few times during the transfer window about how we couldn't wait for it to be over. And uh, <laughs> here we are. Talking already about having sense. to deal with transfer rumors. <laughs> yes, it's not finished yet yeah exactly exactly uh, but i think it's the, it's the nature of the beast though isn't it because like we mentioned there's yeah the transfer room is already starting there's a lot of speculation about goodbye already you know liverpool and west ham supposedly interested uh, and we still got nine games left to play um well we i think we have we have 10 i think now because of the uh F, you know fa cup but 
crazy. It's crazy how it, it kind somebody, of it's all it's almost an all year round thing now, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. Somebody sent me a thing this morning that was a rumor that we were going to do a swap deal with Liverpool for Lamela for Henderson. What? <laughs> really? Where? Why would either team do that? Also, deals like that don't happen. Also, <laughs> I doubt that Liverpool would want to get rid of Henderson. Uh, also, we don't want to get rid of Lamela. It's just the strangest. Henderson would have to beat out Dembele and Dyer, which I do rate Henderson a lot more highly than a lot of people, but he's not better than those two. Ooh, Henderson for goodbye. There you go. <laughs> more, more, more baseless rumors being brought up on this show. Don't start um, any <laughs> uh, Just as as we're uh, talking, any interest in uh, the build up to Euro twenty sixteen still a bit too far away, or what are your feelings about that? Uh, I, I, I love a good international tournament, whether whether England flunk or not. It, uh, the build up is fantastic. I you know it's. It's a, it's a busy uh, summer of sport, isn't it? Really, but um, yeah, no. Looking forward to the European Championships. It's going to be. Um, uh, it's, I think is it is it the biggest um, in terms of the number of teams playing again um, this time? A bit like the World Cup was, but yeah, twenty uh, four should be. Is it twenty? Is it twenty four? Can't remember. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be. Um, it seems a long way off, but I know it. I know it'll just, you know, it'll be around the corner in in, in no time. But. Um, it's difficult to say who's going to um, who's going to win it as well. I think there's a few teams in with the, in the shout. So um, yeah, thoroughly looking forward to it. Hopefully England will do marginally better than we have done in recent tournaments. But uh, you never can, you never can tell with England. You're really gone. Um, <laughs> Interesting question. Who do you start up front? Oh, what, for England. Oh, it's uh, with Rooney being so out of form. Um, even though. He is, you know, he's just broken that, well, relatively recently broken that record. It's, I, I find it difficult to be able to find a place in a starting eleven for him. For me, I, I would start if we're going to play with two up front. I would start Kane and um, Vardy. I, I, I really would. Whether they can play together is a different matter, of course. But um, yeah, I, it's, I can, I can see. Um, well bet playing some parks. He seems to be he seems to be more of an England player than an Arsenal player for some mm. reason. He always seems to do well for England. Um and there's always been players like that throughout history for England. There really has that seem to just turn it on in, in you know in their in their country shirt. But Townsend has done that Townsend, phenomenally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, Townsend has no I, I had so many people talking to me about how good Townsend was because he did well for England. And I was like, no, nope. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean that, I think there's you know there's a fair few players that are in with the shout this year. I, I'm amazed that players like you know um, Cresswell of West Ham haven't had a shout for England. I know I think the next squad is announced on Thursday this week. I think it is. Mm. Um, but players like Cresswell's been absolutely outstanding for for West Ham as a, as a fullback, and um, you, you just know that when as soon as Luke Shaw's fit, he's going to be back in that squad. Um, you know the talk of Rashford being chosen for England is is ridiculous wow. for me. Premature, maybe. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, I just, I just kind of think, you know, if if this kid, you know, if, if if young players impress in a couple of games, which which he has, you know, he's done he's done phenomenally well to come in to an injury hit squad and perform like he has and score. What did he score four goals in 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 a week? You know, in the in the Europa, in the Champions League and um, no, it's Europa League, wasn't it? And the um, Premier League, but 
you know what have what have young players got left to play for if they're given a you know international cap so early? Um, pressure's this on. This is isn't why it? there are U twenty one teams for exactly. exactly this. You have a exactly. young player that's performing well. Put him in the U twenty ones. Put him in the setup and see how he fares. Exactly right. But yeah, exactly. The, the fact that like you've you've played two decent matches and get called up is is insane. Like I, on, on the converse of that that was the reaction a lot of people had to Ryan Mason being called up for the mm-hmm. matches against France and them. But as I pointed out then, they were training at White Hart Lane. Actually, not at White Hart Lane, sorry. At, uh, at Spurs training ground. Yeah. So literally the call-up involved probably a megaphone and just aiming it at the next pitch over. <laughs> it's like, you're English, right? Yeah, just just come over here. We're not going to worry yeah. about paperwork. I st- I'm still not even sure that counts as a call-up. <laughs> Hand, was but, it hands, uh, hands up if you're English and only Mason put his hand up? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, give yeah. him some credit. I mean, it, it's great to see young players doing well and, and being thought of so highly, but I, I find it really difficult to justify putting young players into that position so early in their careers when, when, when they've you know they they could be a flash in the pan. You know they haven't they haven't established themselves at all. Um, it, you know it's happened before. How many how many young players have come through and and filled in for United and done well? I think James Wilson did it last season for United yeah. and and did well and 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 he's off on loan. I think he's at Brighton at the moment, possibly. Um, yeah, he he may well come back. I think was it was it Macheda um, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, he's disappeared off face. I, I just kind of again, he's not English, but young players coming through the ranks. Um, it's great to see, but not many players come through to you know get the chance in the Premier League unless there are injury concerns. It's a big thing at Palace. You know, we've got a great academy, we've got a great number of players. You know, Zaha came through that. We've got a few players out on loan in with lower league clubs, and we recalled a couple when we had our injury crisis, um, but didn't get a chance other than a couple of uh, bench appearances. Um, we have one player came on against Swansea who who did really well, um, but I, I think it's you know I think players really have to be exceptional to be able to get that chance in you know in that in the Premier League and I I do I, it do it does worry me if um, you know they get pushed through the process too quickly um, you know like the suggestions of Rashford being picked for England yeah he could learn a lot training for England no doubt about it but he's going to learn just as much training with United players you know the first team than he is. Um, you know, playing, you know, training with England. So, um, but I still, there's an awful lot of players out there that you know haven't had the credit they deserve. Like Cresswell mentioned, another one. I'm going to go back to my club and say Zaha's had an incredible season. But Mark England Noble's don't really. Had a very good season. Mark Noble is another one. Yep, very good shout. Um, and I find it absolutely incredible that Scott Dan hasn't got anywhere near that England defence. Um, yeah, because not particularly strong. Well, because you know we have struggled for a couple of months this season, uh, you know this 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 second half of the season, admittedly. But he's he's still been a shining light for us, even though we have you know a defence. You know, what, a, a one defender isn't a whole defence, but he he has held us together at certain points. The first half of the season, he was outstanding. How he didn't get called up then, I I I'll never know. But um, I think that there's a there's a view that you know there are players that fit into an England setup rather than deserve to be in an England setup. Um, I think you know a lot of clubs, or particularly the Glatzkos, you know Real Madrid in the in the nineties. You know to have all the top players, and sometimes they can't all play. You, you still have to have some of the workers in there, and some of the players that kind of fit alongside them in a way. But and I think that's kind of how national teams work sometimes. So um, it's not always the case that you can pick the top eleven fancy rated players <laughs> and go and put them in the England team. 
Um, but you'll know a lot more about that than I would care for about <laughs> fancy players. So, uh, so who are the top 11 English fancy players? Here you go. Send them off to Roy Hodgson, get them to a session with them and see if they work out. <laughs> yeah, somebody actually did that and it had like drink water in there and people weren't <laughs> super excited about that. Uh, I do have a, a question about the young player thing because I found myself entirely agreeing with you. And then I realized that Della Ali exists, also mm. 19 years old, got his mm. England call up against France in what was a very emotionally charged match after what had just happened in France. Yeah. Uh, scores a great goal. Just, I don't know, because, because that went so well. And then since then, Della Ali has obviously kicked on and done phenomenally well. I, I don't know what, where the barometer is. How do you decide which of these youngsters probably will kick on and which ones might not. That just seems like a very It's a very good point. Yeah. Tough call to make. Yeah. And and um I'm not entirely sure it's uh based on actual pragmatism or anything. I think maybe you just get lucky with some and with others you don't because obviously when Del Ali scored for England, uh, for England against France against Hugo, by the way. Um <laughs> and it was it was a phenomenally taken goal. But then a lot of people put a lot of pressure on him. And there was this kind of debate. Is he too young to, to be doing this? And to what I literally said just minutes ago, you know, that's why you have U21 teams. Plug him in there and see how he does. But now he's kicked on and now he's one of the first names uh, on the team sheet at Tottenham. And, and as I said, was vital and, and crucial to how we play our game. So I, now I feel like a hypocrite. I, I, I don't really have a point to this. <laughs> just, no, no, no that's, that's, that's a, did that. very well. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, and he he has been exceptional for Tottenham, and you know took his chance of England exceptionally well, and that's one that has worked out really well. I mean, like I say, he's only nineteen. Um, yeah, there are concerns that you know such a young player um, getting everything at this stage in in his career. Um, you know, how how's it going to affect you know his next few years? Does he? Um, you know, young young guys can be, you know, it can go to the heads a little bit, and there have been question marks about, you know, relatively recent weeks about Dali Ali's, um, uh, some of his tackles and some of his attitude in games. Um, perhaps he's, you know, had it all a little bit too soon, but I sometimes think you know need to rein it in a little bit, and that's you know part of the manager's job to kind of kind of do that. But yeah, the managers see these players day in day out on the training ground, so um, you know, who am I to say? This player doesn't deserve a, a, a shot at the international setup. Um, I don't believe Rashford would get that chance because I think we've, you know, in the striker position certainly we've got, um, you know, enough players to take to the Euros unless we had a main. You, you know, start to... on the plane. That's a tough one. Um, talented, eye for goal. Is he fully fit yet? Yeah, question marks about that. But by the time the end of the season comes, yeah, I, I, I would say just about. I, I think. Between now and the end of the season, um, he carries on, you know, his rehabilitation. In, you know, in, in the first, again, this is the thing. I mentioned this the other day, and that you know, while the while while you just mentioned under twenty ones is is the place for you know the young players to kind of cut their teeth at international level, even though it's not the same, you know, same competitive um, nature as, as as the first eleven, but. You know, Premier League teams don't have a reserve side anymore to bring these players yeah. back, back from injury. You know, we have under twenty one academies, but you know, bringing these players back. I remember the days when there used to be a reserve team, and you'd have, bring a player back from injury. There'd be two reserve team games a week, or you put one on, especially, and you'd have the normal reserve league game. Um, and these players could 
get their fitness back, their match fitness back through that. You know, example is, you know, Sturridge there, he's having to do that um, by playing in the first, you know, playing for Liverpool, you know, in the Premier League. Same as Balassi for Palace. You know, he's only just kind of come back to fitness, but he's about three or four games in now. Um, and it's taken him a, a while to do that. Um, I, I guess it's costly to run a reserve team, but I think when it comes to, you know, players that have a lot of injuries now. Um, you know, it's been a lot of injuries in the Premier League this season. I think it's probably one, you know, one of the seasons where there's been an awful lot, um, particularly at Palace. We've seen and players don't get that, you know, don't get that chance to, um, you know, to get match fit really, unless they're playing um, or coming off the bench. But you know, do you get that through coming off the bench? And you know, is that really is that really worthy? I don't, I don't know whether that does an awful lot. You know, they need you know to start a game and and kind of come off after seventy minutes and kind of rehabilitate that way. So, Sturridge is a great example. Um, talented, eye for goal. If he doesn't have any um, you know injury concerns between now and the end of the season, then I, I would say yes, he'd be one of. Um, well, Rooney would go, wouldn't he? Rooney Vardy. Um, Kane and Sturridge, I think, would be probably my four. Um, not sure about you, Kev, if you would throw anybody else into that. But I think it's, uh, I think it's hard to disagree with that bunch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, can't really think of anybody else that's, that would fit into that 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 four really or challenge that four at the moment. But um, obviously, there's a few young players around. But uh, I think it's a relatively exciting England squad for the for the championships this summer. I really do. You know, you've got a likes of Ali, like you said, Barkley. Um, you know, it would just there, there is a concern about a defence. Um, Dyer might so, make it. Yeah, what? Nothing. I mean, he's, he's versatile, well, isn't he? Yeah, Very, that's, that's what I was just thinking. Is I'm not sure he starts in the midfield, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure he starts in the defence, and I'm not sure he starts at right back. But having a player that can kind of fill all those holes. Well, it's that classic tournament player, isn't it? That can yeah. you know, very very handy to have on the bench, isn't it? For for different, especially if you go deep into a tournament, you need players like that that can, you know, do multi positions. And yeah, I think most most countries have had those in the past. And yeah, good shout. I, 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 it is a great story, isn't he? It really yeah. is. Really, really great story. He started. Did he start at uh, Sporting Lisbon? Yeah. And, and came across the Spurs. That's yeah. I like that story. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, I was actually looking through some of my old notes. Uh, just I, I, so I have all my pod notes in a notepad, and that notepad is officially being retired uh, with today's <laughs> show. Um, and one of the top pages was from the beginning of the season, and uh, it was talking about how um, Eric Dyer, you know, was very versatile, and how so this is the beginning of this season. I was remembering from when we signed him that uh, Vondervart. Spoke very highly of us to Michelle Vorm, which is why he decided to come to just sit behind Lloris. Uh <laughs> And then we've had a few other ones like that with uh, Dembele and Chadley and a few others. And then uh, Eric Dyer played in the, U- in the youth setup for England with Harry Kane. Mm. And apparently Harry Kane big upped us at the time. And I was joking about how we had these heavy hitters for us bringing in other players. And then Harry Kane brought in Eric Dyer. And now looking at that, now two years gone, they're two of our most influential players. Mm. It's just very strange how quickly that can all change. Harry Kane was a reserve forward that couldn't score goals, and we couldn't find a loan for him because of how poorly he had done. (laughs) At Leicester, at Norwich. Um, Also, uh, I just found out, uh, you know the Leicester game? Um, 
I think it was the the play-in game. Or, man, I don't even know what that's called. The championship. The one where if you win, you're in the Premier League. Oh, the playoff final, yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Leicester, when they lost it, had Kane and Vardy on the bench. Kane? Who did? Leicester. They had really? Kane and Vardy on their bench when they lost that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was on loan. That's crazy. I know, right? I saw that. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what Harry Kane was. Harry Kane was a bench player in the most important game of Leicester's season. Wow. Way back in the championship. And now Kane and Vardy tied for top of the Premier League. Yeah, goals. I was going to say, both in the yeah racing for the uh, top scorer. Yeah. That's, that's Why crazy. were they this good then? Leicester asked themselves. Actually, they probably didn't because I'm sure they're fine being top of the table. Uh, mm. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> It's just incredible. It really is. Yeah. I mean, we played them. Well, they played Newcastle tomorrow night, don't they? But we we play Leicester at home next Saturday, so that'd be. Uh, hey, that'd be you know what? I wouldn't mind if you won that one. <laughs> I was just I was talking about this last night and saying that you know um, everybody wants. Well, most people want Leicester to win the Premier League because it's that fantasy. You know, it's that dream come true story. And then Palace are going. You know, go and win next Saturday, and you know, be public enemy number one. <laughs> And obviously, Tottenham, Tottenham fans will love us, but um, <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a period of time. If you had asked me, I don't know, like Christmas Day, who would I want to win the Premier League? I probably would have still gone with Leicester because it would have hedged my bets. <laughs> because it means it wouldn't be Arsenal, and we would still be in the top four, which is what I've really been aiming for this whole season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, now it's getting. Oh man, we really needed yeah. that win against Arsenal to to yeah. like to cement the title top. Yeah, yeah. Um, still pretty although, confident in in top four, but yeah. Although Arsenal and Man City's demise has been has been ridiculous. Manchester you know, City, just what are they doing? Oh. Like, I, I don't think it's a debate as to who has the most t- talented team in the Premier League, and I think it's no, City, and it's no. not close. I honestly think it's Chelsea after them. Crazy as that is. Mm. <laughs> um of just overall talent. Like they have Pedro or Hazard coming off the ma- uh, coming yeah. off the bench every match. No, I completely That's agree. Insane. Yeah. But um hey, well first of all it shows that talent doesn't uh, inextricably lead to success. And no. the mm. city just can't they can't find it. And and I thought there was a really interesting comment made during that Norwich game where the commentators were starting to turn on Man City. Because, you know, you start Manchester City versus Norwich, and you're big-upping City because you're expecting them to score. Then you hit halftime, and they still haven't, and you start asking questions. And they pointed out that, you know, the the January appointment, or February, because it was technically February 2nd, right? It was deadline day. Hmm. Um, when, they, when they made this move, everybody was saying, you know, this feels much more like a German situation than an English one. Yeah. Where you announce who the upcoming manager is going to be, and it happened at Bayern with Henkes, and uh, when Pep Guardiola came into that club, and then the players felt they owed their manager, and then they went on. I think they won the treble that year uh, before Pep was brought in. And you look at Manchester City, and I don't want to say they've given up on Pellegrini, but they are certainly not at their best right now. I. Be interesting to see how their Champions League campaign goes. I mean, there's no doubt in their beat Kiev, um, and that'll be into the quarterfinals, won't it? But well, whether they're just um, he- he- that's just where they're exiled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, very, very possibly. I mean, they've got a good enough squad to challenge there. I mean, whether they're up up there with the likes of 
Real Madrid and Barca, that remains to be seen in terms of... I think of, PSG uh, would be a, a good draw for them. And, and PSG, well, yeah, see, PSG, I mean, for me, they're, they're up there with Barcelona at the moment. They, you know, they, well, and they have nothing else to play for, having already won the title. Exactly right. Like they can fully, exactly. Yeah, so I, I take yeah. that back. <laughs> and, and there's no underestimating what that could do for them, you know, without... They've still got to play games, but... Um, yeah, that's just that's just crazy, you know. A lot of oh, French, French football is is great, but they've kind of made it a little bit one sided, um, you know, like that. But they're great to watch; they really are great to watch. Yeah, and uh, speaking of putting all your eggs in one basket, there was a, a message on on a message board I was reading, and it, it's one of the you know after a loss like we had against Dortmund, where you don't play your best eleven, you get a lot of kind of just flame reaction. Of just yeah. very angry people. And the, <laughs> one of the guys I saw, and I love this. The guy just said, um, I don't mind you putting all the eggs in one basket, but it better make one hell of an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> like, Brilliant. okay, but yeah. if you're going to play for the Premier League, you better do well. <laughs> yeah, that's just, brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. I loved how succinct that was. Uh, okay, well, just to have some semblance of... Uh, format and decorum in this show uh let's do uh player watch as much as you're one of the main opponents to this segment um but uh obviously you get a win there in the fa cup who impressed and who in theory disappointed um i'll start with disappointed again um we are really struggling with the goalkeeper position this season we you know one minute we have somebody that can make a fantastic save as hennessy Hennessy went through about a three-game period where he made a few outstanding saves. You know, against Southampton, he made a late save from um, Shane Long, which uh, you know kept us, you know, gave us the three points effectively. Otherwise, it would have been uh, would have been one all. Um, again, at Everton away, he preserved the point for us by making a string of three incredible saves. But he seems to have always have a mistake in his game. Um, he had another one against Reading, which luckily Reading didn't take advantage. He he went for a cross, which was well, he, he just he, he he just he didn't miss it, but he, he got his fingertips on it and it fell to the um, uh, striker who put it into side netting. But from that angle, you would expect a player to to score. Um, a lot of question marks about him. I mean, we had that. I think it was unlucky last week. McCarthy came in for him against Liverpool last weekend. Um, and he had that very unfortunate slip, which led to Liverpool's equaliser that literally knocked the stuffing out of out of us for the rest of the game. Um, I, I, it's difficult to put that down to a mistake, but it's just the kind of things that are happening to us in the league recently. And and Hennessy doesn't really fill us with an awful lot of confidence. And he made two two mistakes in that Reading one, but he also made a good save in that game as well. And I think. I think that's kind of part of our problem with our defensive unit as well. However strong they are, they don't seem to have a lot of confidence in the goalkeeper who doesn't come out out of his six-yard box to claim crosses confidently. Um, And when he does, or if he decides ever to do that, he flaps at them like he did in a running game. So for me, again, he disappointed, uh, which I hate being critical, as you know, Kev, but at the moment it's one area of our our team we're, we're struggling with, um, unfortunately. Uh, a lot of calls for Speroni to come back in the side. Everyone loves Julian Speroni. Um, he hasn't had any minutes, any game time this season. Not sure quite why. He started the season injured, uh, to be fair. But even though we struggle with um, these two keepers, um, he's not had a look in. So I'm, I don't expect him to either between now and the end of the season. So um, we'll see. I think Hennessy's our number one, but 
I'm not sure how that continues going forward. McCarthy, I like. Um, young keeper, his confidence was shot after being dropped earlier on in the season. He needs to get that back. Um, and that slip was so unfortunate because I don't particularly blame him for it, really. But um, it's just uh, a position we're struggling with. As for impressed, I mentioned Kabaya earlier. Kabaya was excellent. Um, he ran the game. He should, he, like I said, he should run the game um, against Reading, a championship side. No offence to them. Um, he has that class to to do that. He just hasn't done it uh, as consistently in recent weeks as we would we would hope him to, and we need him to really um, to try and get us that uh, that win in the Premier League. But he impressed me alongside um, you know Balassi and, and Zaha uh, out wide were, were excellent again, um, just down the ring using their pace. But um, goodbye, Sean, for me. All right, yeah, uh, for Tottenham, uh, I think Harry Kane won man of the match, but Della Ali really ran the show all day. Uh, so Della Ali is the player that impressed, and the player that disappointed is the player that's supposed to be doing that, which I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Christian Eriksen. Uh, I know the game isn't all about statistics, but he did also fail the eye test, but he also failed the stats test. Zero shots on target, zero chances created, zero crosses. It's just very strange. It feels like... The more Ali grows in strength, the more Erickson is kind of falling out. I don't know if you guys have seen the film Space Jam. But it feels like Erickson touched a ball and all of his powers went into it. And then Della Ali picked it up. And he's like, okay, now I'm just going to boss the Premier League at 19. It's very strange. Um, Erickson had had a, had a had, well, Erickson had had a few good matches in a row there. But this was not one of them. It's He's just so sporadic. It's really, really frustrating. And I've mentioned before, I think it's going to be what keeps him from reaching the heights that many expected he'd reach in his career. When he was at Ajax, everybody's saying, you know, he's a perfect Barcelona player. Well, not ability-wise, which is kind of the problem. Or maybe maybe it's the effort, because there's no doubting his technique on the ball. It's phenomenal. But just... I don't know. He had a couple pot shots today that could have gone in, but that's mostly what we were resigned to for majority of the first half. It's just not there at the moment. And when you see Della Ali right next to him doing everything you'd expect him to do, it just makes the difference all the more stark. So anyway, uh, I'm going to put Della Ali as the player that impressed and Christian Eriksen as the player who has been space jammed. <laughs> All right, and with that, I think we're out of time. Uh, it's just two guys talking about football, really. But uh, tell the folks where they can reach you. Yeah, I'm editor of the Eagles Beak. Head on over uh, to the website, eaglesbeak.com. Plenty of Palace content, as you would expect. We do like to talk uh, general football as well. So uh, we've got a few football writers on there which aren't Palace fans, um, such as Kev writes for us. Um, and also uh, Dan does from Baggage Facts. So... Um, I like to say a lot of good content on there for for you know the neutral to read as well. So head on over. I also um, work on a community radio show, uh, Back of the Net Football Show. Uh, you can get it online as well. Um, we're on Twitter at underscore Back of the Net underscore. It's a it's a new project and it's it, and it's going really well. A lot of fun. Two hours every Monday uh, live on the radio. Tune in if you can. It's online, so uh, be uh, be good to hear your thoughts. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. As Jay mentioned, I do write a weekly fantasy article, except for this week, because there were only five matches. It seemed a little silly. Um, but I will be back this uh, week with more fantasy advice for you. You can also check out playtarga.com, 
where I have some player blurbs on Tottenham. Also host of the FPL Roundtable, which goes up Thursday mornings. So it would be very nice of you to check those things out. All right, and with that, we are out of time. It was a pleasure, Jay, uh, and we hope you keep listening.